Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. My name is Luke Kappa, and I am an apparel nerd, a person with a very questionable and very well-documented diet. Uh, and I'm also the managing editor at Blister. And you can check out everything we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Uh, that includes our recently revealed 2023-2024 Winter Buyer's Guide, which you can now pre-order, as well as information on all the benefits of our Blister membership and Blister Plus membership, plus all of our latest reviews, podcasts, videos, and a whole lot more. Today, I am talking with Matthias Fusel, CEO of Beyond Surface Technologies, and Matt Sturbins, the founder of Wonder Alpine, GM of Winter Sports at Checkerspot, and recurring Gear 30 guest. Now, many of you are probably familiar with Wonder Alpine's skis and snowboards, but what do they have to do with a textile surface treatment company? Well, Wonder Alpine just launched their first line of technical apparel, and as you'll hear, their collaboration with Matthias and BST was an integral part of that collection, starting several years ago when BST began experimenting with the same exact algae-derived oil that Wonder Alpine uses in their skis and snowboards. But why should anyone care about the treatments that are applied to these pants, shirts, and hoodies? Well, the first reason is that nearly every piece of clothing you and I wear is applied with some sort of surface treatment. And those finishes are actually one of the main reasons why our clothes feel and perform how they do. But the vast majority of those treatments are made with petroleum-based materials, and they contribute to a much more significant portion of a given garment's carbon footprint than you might suspect. So to address that, Beyond Surface Technologies has been working on bio-based alternatives for more than a decade now, and their latest collaboration with Checkerspot, Wonder Alpine, and that algal oil seems like a pretty major breakthrough in this market. So I talked to Matthias and Matt about all of this and more, including what these surface treatments actually do, why having a, quote, wicking fabric is important in the first place, how the algal oil used in BST's Midori BioWick finish differs from the other plant-based oils that have previously been used for this sort of application, the makeup of Wonder Alpine's Phase Series apparel collection, what the future holds for BST and Wonder Alpine apparel, and more. So with all that said, let's get right to it. All right. Well, I am here with Matt and Matthias, Matt Sturbins, Gear 30 alum, uh, and Matthias from Beyond Surface Technologies. And today we're going to dive into soft goods and some of the, I'd say, often misunderstood or not even thought about aspects of technical apparel and some very new and interesting things you both are working on on that front. But since we've already had Matt on the show several times, Matthias, could you give us a bit of a background both your personal background and your professional background? Yeah, sure can. Uh, great to be here. So I'm Matthias and uh, 55 years old, raised in Bavaria, um, which means by definition, you have to play football, uh, soccer that is over here, <laughs> and uh, love the outdoors as I guess every one of us here does. Um, moved to the Black Forest area about 25 years ago 
and uh, started Beyond Surface Technology about 14 years ago. So from a, a personal background, not so cool, pretty, pretty normal. <laughs> not as you guys. Um, professional background is, um, I've always been in textiles, always been actually in textile chemistry, went to university, studied textile chemistry, and then went to one of the big textile chemical corporate, um, companies, one of the leading textile chemical suppliers in this world and did that, I would say, normal program there in a sense that you start on the technical side, you travel the world, um, had the pleasure to work for a couple of years in North Carolina, Greensboro, early 90s, which is great. <laughs> and from then came back uh, to the headquarter in Switzerland, um, moved from technical into marketing, from marketing into business management and at the end was running a global business unit um, for the corporation as well as being in charge of all the global third party or new technologies for the corporation and that's also how we kind of get into the topic of of today but i, I guess that's a sh as a short background that's that's where i'm coming from so pretty pretty seasoned veteran of the textile chemical industry gotcha yeah and i'm, I'm sure we'll be diving more into um beyond sur surface technologies and what you guys um have been doing for quite some time now actually um but first i think uh talking about surface treatments for fibers fabric and apparel especially since it's something you can't typically see i think it's something that a lot of people don't typically think a whole lot about um, so before we get into what's uh, kind of new in that category, would you be able to tell us a bit about kind of the history of how and why companies have been applying <clears throat> surface treatments to fibers and fabrics? I know it spans a wide range of uses, but maybe um, pertaining to the surface treatments that BST is producing kind of what purposes are they serving and what are they kind of adding to uh, the fibers themselves can't do on their own? Yeah, good question, because I think you already hinted towards what most of the consumers really don't know, which is on almost every garment we buy nowadays, there is a chemical surface treatment applied upon. And because it's not right in your face, meaning what you see as a consumer is the fiber and the color. And I would believe that most consumers think because of that, that any performance they experience actually comes from the fiber, the material. And in many cases, that's actually not the case. <laughs> um, there's taking the obvious. Take um, the the topic of this call, right? Take a Viking finish. When you buy a running gear, apparel, short uh, shirt, uh, football, yoga, anything you you wear when you exercise, I would guess that people think the sweat that needs to get absorbed and dried easily or fast that's done by the fiber. Actually. Most of the fibers used for these kind of garments are synthetic based and they actually do the opposite. They would, they are not able to absorb any sweat. 
they are not able to wick any moisture away. Uh, so basically all these fibers, if they have the capability to absorb sweat and dry fast, have received a chemical surface treatment. So it, it is almost everywhere you look around. It's almost on everywhere you, you buy when, when you wear it for an exercise. Uh, and that's just now the, the field of, like I've said, sports, right? Or typical sportswear. Uh, you can say the same for any rainwear. I mean, the water repellency typically doesn't come uh, from the fiber alone. It is a chemical finish that does it. Even that a t-shirt feels soft and nice very often comes from a softener that's applied onto the fiber. And uh, it goes on and on and on. So uh, again, I was just coming back to my initial statement. There's a chemical surface treatment applied on almost any garment we buy. And it very often provides the effect that you as a consumer want to get when buying this garment, but you not necessarily think it's actually coming from a chemical finish. Very well put. And yeah, I think that puts into reference just, yeah, how prevalent these treatments are, um, even though we very rarely discuss them apart from people who are insiders in the textile and apparel industry. One of the main things uh, about these treatments and the top kind of pertaining to the topic of this call is historically they seem to be predominantly petroleum-based treatments. Is that across the board or it seems like that's just been the standard for quite some time. Is that correct? That's been the standard for about a hundred years or so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and actually, again, if, if we say, if, if we use the 80 20 rule, right? Uh, I mean, going back to your previous question, like if, if, if 80% of all the garments we buy are chemically treated or have a chemical surface treatment on, then again, uh, the 80-20 now goes up to 95 to 5. Um, 95% of those chemical treatments are either petroleum-based or based on finite raw materials. And of course, the main reason for that is, because people are, why is that, right? The main reason for that is basically it's petroleum is a very well understood chemical species. So when you have to develop something out of it, there's a lot of experience there. It it leads to short development times. And of course, it's rather inexpensive compared to other materials. So you have a material that's rather inexpensive and well understood, short development times. It, it basically rules the chemical, the textile chemical world, I would say. It is really a petroleum-based world out there when it comes to surface uh, treatments. Yeah. And it makes sense when you list those upsides and how long it's been used. Like everyone's just accustomed to that kind of standard. Um, but obviously w- the industry or most industries are trying to move away from petroleum in different ways. Um, because one of the main downsides is that carbon footprint of it. Um, would you be able to talk a little bit more about Specifically, the carbon footprint of uh, these surface treatments and finishing processes for apparel. Yeah. Um, again, it probably comes quite as a surprise that when 
in our language, we, we kind of very often combine what we call wet processes, wet applications, dying and finishing is looked at like one big bubble. And, and that actually has the highest impact, negative impact on carbon footprint of the whole uh, textile industry. And, and the textile industry is one of the biggest uh, uh, producer or emitter of uh, CO2. So it, it really has a, a, a massive impact. And within dying and finishing, finishing has an even higher impact that's all based like on third party data than, than, than the other, uh, than dying. Sorry. So within the biggest bubble, the finishing is significant. And when you then break it further down, it goes into three pillows. I would say that that negative impact is built on one. One is the material and basically being most of these materials being petroleum based. It's kind of the worst material <laughs> to start with. Um, then the second is the use of water. We by now finally learned that water isn't a resource that's there indefinite, right? So we better look into how we use it. And the third is energy. And basically what, what we try to do is look at all these three pillows and see how we can tackle those to reduce their impact within the textile uh, environment or the textile industry. And this is complex, right? This is not something you can explain in a sentence, or that's also not something where somebody can come up, come up with the magic bullet and just do this and it's all, uh, great and, 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 and good. You, you really, I would say you have to have some endurance. You have to tackle it one by one. And we now believe when it comes to wicking, have a real great product to replace petroleum. But it's not only, that's only the starting point. Now we have that great material to replace petroleum. We now look into how can we use that material with less water, ideally no water and less energy, ideally no energy to apply it. If we bring that package together, it's a massive impact on the industry. So one of three, one of three steps taken, the next couple, the next two steps to come. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a it's a good way to put it in terms of uh, that more comprehensive approach. Like, I think, uh, yeah, like having a non petroleum based material is a great step. Um, but there are so many other elements of that production process that factor into it. Um, but that's a great segue into kind of what we're talking about today, which is the partnership between Beyond Surface Technologies, Wonder Alpine, and Checker Spot. Maybe we'll turn it over to you, Matt. Could you tell us a bit more of uh, how you all got connected and kind of how long this project has uh, been in the works? Well, first of all, thanks for having me back on Gear 30. This is great. Um, one of my favorite pods. Um, and um, yeah, Matthias has been a great educator for me, as you can imagine. You know, background in professional skiing, <laughs> um, textile finishes is definitely some new territory. And, you know, one of the areas of opportunity I saw when joining Checker Spot and ultimately building the brand Wonder Alpine was the educational opportunity to learn more about the science and, and the possibilities that, 
you know, renewable oils could have on our lives and how they could impact the performance of our products while also elevating the sustainability nature of them. So it's been really fun. And yeah, working with Matthias, um, geez, his name came up, I think, you know, within the first, you know, couple of days of joining the team. It was really um, a lot of enthusiasm from the founders of Checkerspot um, to to arrive to a solution that could play a role in, in the apparel industry. You know, this is beckoning back to 2018 um, where, you know, PFAS, perfluorinated chemistries were really starting to kind of make their way into the news. We were starting to understand the impact that they were having widespread and, and, and looking at the performance characteristics without fluorine and understanding the delta of, of where we need to get to. And then wicking became, you know, a part of that conversation fairly quickly. I was lucky enough when I joined the company fairly quickly, I recall, uh, internal meeting talking about uh, providing the oils, our microalgal oil from Checkerspot to BST because of some of the uh, discoveries that they had recently made comparing our oils um, to other plant seed oils that they had been using already for wicking. So that was kind of like getting thrown into the fire of like, wait, what? We're selling oils to a textile finish um, for a textile finish formulation and, and and how does it compare? And and so, you know, we were always uh, seeking to build the business around, um, you know, the oils that were available to us. We knew polyurethanes was a pathway of getting there. And so we, we looked internally at going after the hard goods space. And continuing to provide polymer chemistry support for Matthias with BST to animate the technology through apparel. And um, it's been great to watch the growth that Beyond Surface Technologies is, is, has had with the Midori BioWick from the mm -hmm. algal oil. And now that we've been able to uh, at least arrive to a, a fairly well-rounded hard goods presence between skis and boards, we've been able to, you know, introduced for the first time in apparel line featuring this collaborative product, this Midori Biowick on some really thoughtful and intentional textile that, you know, we've been in the works with for a couple of years building. So I'm still like a total new student to the game and an active user of, of now the physical garment, which is great. And um, yeah, you know, before we had this call, we got caught up with Matthias and, and he taught me so much already just in the last few weeks. And yeah, the, the fact that we're able to arrive to a lower carbon footprint and reach a level of performance that's close to skin and really noticeable, it's, it's been really fun to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think we might as well dive into uh, this Midori BioWick uh, treatment. Uh, Matthias, could you tell us, uh, I guess for starters, for people who like wicking is a, I feel like one of the most common buzzwords in the technical apparel industry, but maybe tell us a bit about what is this a wicking surface treatment actually doing at the fiber level and what is the end user going to experience as a result? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually quite complex because you, you, um, modify an oil based typically an oil based fiber that would avoid taking on moisture or moisture in that sense sweat right so you modify it to take it on but not to absorb and keep it in bracket that's the issue with cotton 
right? <laughs> you cotton absorbs moisture readily, but it'll also keep it, which is not good. It becomes heavy, you know, and so on and so on. Closing the bracket. So we wanna we wanna modify that surface so the sweat gets absorbed, but then pulled basically from the inside of the fabric to the outside. So and at the same time, it should we call it spread out fast or easily, because if it spreads out on the outside over a wider surface, it can evaporate faster. Right. We all know that if you have a, a, a big volume of moisture in a very low spot, it takes forever to evaporate. You have that same volume of moisture uh, spread over a table. It, it's, it's evaporated in a few seconds. Right. So we, we try to modify the fiber to exactly do that. Absorb the sweat from the skin, transport it to the outside spread it over a wide surface area so it evaporates fast. And all of that needs to be done without impacting at all the breathability of the fabric, right? Because if you, you could think of surface modifications where you simply coat something on it, where you, um, but then you would reduce the breathability and wearing the garment would feel uncomfortable. So we, we enable the fiber to become functional. And at the same time, we ensure the breathability is not impacted. So breathability plus functionality makes it comfortable to wear. And, and in order to do that, you need to chemically understand how do you need to modify, for example, an algal oil so you can apply it onto that fiber. And it does what it's supposed to do, right? And that's where our expertise basically uh, comes in. Gotcha. And Matt, is, am I correct in thinking that at a very base level, the algal oil that is going into this treatment is also this essentially the same oil that was is used to create the PU foam cores in uh, Wonders skis and snowboards and or their PU sidewalls. Is this all stemming from kind of the same original algal oil product? Yeah, exactly. Same oil profile. Yeah. But the way that we use the oil for these rigid polyurethanes is we synthesize it into a resin that we, you know, catalyze and, um, you know, we get rigid parts out of it. It's the same oil profile that we share with BST. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I feel like you all have very quickly, um, proven the versatility of that. And I guess it makes sense. I mean, the fact that we use petroleum for literally everything in our daily life, uh, is kind of a testament to, um, the versatility of kind of oils in general, but being able to make it from the algae derived source, uh, is super interesting. Uh, Matthias, uh, on the, so when fiber or fabric is treated with Midori Biowick, uh, what is the durability of that coating look like? What should an end user kind of expect in terms of a, a lifespan on that front? Mm -hmm. Maybe if I can go back to one of our principles that we established for ourselves when we started uh, BST in 2008 is we said we will not sell green chemistry uh, on the word of green, 
or because of its being green. We will only sell a product if we can compete on performance with the petroleum-based alternatives that are currently used in the market. And that includes the durability. So what a consumer can expect when buying uh, a, a phase series uh, garment, that it'll, it'll perform exactly alike a uh, alternative garment that's treated with a petroleum-based picking finish and it'll have exactly the same durability highly durable as the petroleum wicking finish will have. So it's, um, it's a one-to-one. -one. And, and that's also very important to us that we want to make it easy for the industry to adapt or adopt and, and implement. And, and that's why I think you need to have true alternatives in terms of performance and application that, that you can really go out in confidence and say, Hey, you know, the, you're actually buying this because of its performance. And by the way, you're no more using petroleum. We, we almost kind of love to surprise our customers and the brands and hopefully some of the consumers that it doesn't have to be petroleum and it still works. Gotcha. I guess we can now dive into kind of the, the phase series in particular, Matt, so we talked a lot about this uh, new finishing process and wicking properties, uh, but what does the series actually consist of in terms of specific garments and the fabrics on which that surface treatment is being applied? Totally. Yeah. So when uh, presented with the opportunity to feature this finish, um, you know, we... Uh, right out of the gate sought out a, a materials developer and we um, were fortunate to connect with a woman named Romy Coles. And she joins us from a fair bit of industry experience working with some prestigious outdoor brands, um, came in house and immediately connected her with Matias to understand, you know, what would be, you know, uh, a really like nice synergistic textile for this finish. And began looking outwards into the global supply chain to find either recycled or bio-based uh, fabrics that would complement the finish. And you know the composition of this material. You know, uh, it's a uh, abrasion-resistant material, which is what we love about uh, synthetic fabrics. You know, um, and it also has a lot of um, comfort to the skin, but with some stretch, so it's articulated and in, in, in the feel feels really natural. Um, the, the goal of the collection for the phase series was to provide kind of a active lifestyle collection to introduce to the world with a men's and women's pants, a women's uh, long sleeve shirt, kind of a functional long sleeve shirt, and then a unisex um, mid-weight hoodie and a unisex tee. You know, these are the types of garments you can wear, you know, if you're commuting to work on your bicycle, you know, active on your feet throughout the day, um, maybe grab a gym or spin class in the in the evening or afternoon. Um, you don't feel like you're inadequately equipped. Um, I think that's probably how we've all started to rely on synthetic fabrics in our lifestyles. Is that like we don't need to leave the house with a gym bag of you know three different changes of clothes. And yeah, it's been it's been it's been cool. It's been cool to work with a collection that's as diverse as this one is. And and obviously we wanted to really show how. Um, you know, you're not at this compromise of supporting something that's bio-based, 
with the with the finish and also supporting the the pre-existing petroleum impact that these these nylons have you know so we can take uh, and reuse the petroleum products that are in the market today and use those yarns and apply them with a with a renewable oil finish you know and the way that we arrive to our our oils which is again no different than the skis i mean we ferment microalgae and tanks feed them sugarcane so we're producing a very low carbon footprint by comparison to petroleum and these oil profiles, because they're done in, you know, closed cell fermentation, they're single cell. And the, the, the you know, we, we use the term homogenous or, or you, could, you can consider the purity of the oils is unprecedented because there's no other, you know, um, factors that are polluting the nature of, of this, this oil structure. So, what we can achieve with performance is, is pretty remarkable mm-hmm. just on the basis alone of how pure of high quality oil this is. The fact that it's, you know, the lowest carbon producing oil by comparison to anything else we, we commercialize with today, it's, it's remarkable. So, um, the phase series brings a lot of active, um, you know, function and performance to our daily lives. And um, it's largely accentuated with the Midori BioWig. Gotcha. Um, and you bring up a, a good point about... Uh Obviously, the this algal-derived oil is a relatively new option on the market, but there are there are some alternatives, like we've seen uh, ski boots that use um, uh, plant-derived oils in their plastic. Matthias, could you talk a bit more about what the alternatives in the non-petroleum-based category have been and uh, what it's been like comparing and contrasting them to the newer algal-derived oil uh, from Checker Spot and Wonder. Yeah, that goes actually back to why we started uh, BST at a time, right? We said, okay, let's find something that's not petroleum and can still be used to produce surface treatments, textile chemicals. Um, so the first logical choice of material you stumble across are plant seed oils, right? And then you will be surprised that actually it's not a huge selection you are looking at, right? There's a, there's a good dozens of industrial plant seed oils that are there in terms of volume, uh, versatility, applicability, um, and and the by far dominating one is palm oil <laughs> and and it's widely used and again that wasn't really a material of choice for us when starting to develop uh, that wicking finish here right so we we found an alternative plant seed oil way back when uh, but already then had in mind that okay what could be the next lower level in environmental footprint appreciating that plant seed oils are better than petroleum but they're still plant seed oils meaning you still need a lot of land right to to plant most of them need water fertilizer um etc they need months to grow um and they're not as efficient as Matt pointed out, uh, like the algal oil is almost like pure, pure of the uh, material that you want to use. The plant seed oils may be 60, 70% of what you want uh, to use. So 
when you compare then plan when when we then sorry when we learned about uh, checkerspot and the materials they have come up with and it, it's almost like for us it was like yeah <laughs> exactly now now we have an finally we can see that next step forward you know we we came across a material that actually overcame the pending issues of plant seed oils as matt pointed out right you don't need any land you need a steel tank to grow it you don't need months you need days <laughs> you don't need to water it or put any fertilizer in it 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 it's a closed uh, system it's a fermentation process so you don't even harvest an algae from the sea with a potential damage to um the sea flora and fauna itself so you know when we when we found the microalgae as a base material we thought okay uh Let's prove the principle. Let's try to develop that wicking finish based on the alkyl oil. But then, and it's still our ambition that we would like to make the alkyl oil our main material for any of the chemical surface treatments we develop because of everything that I've just said. It, it just seems logic or natural <laughs> to, to, to convert from plant seed oils over to to algal oils uh, the benefits are right there yeah makes sense it sounds uh really appealing and on that note i mean um obviously we're focusing on this this wicking treatment right now uh but do you matthias have uh any particular uh categories or products or um just new opportunities now that you have been working with this new algal oil uh where do you want to uh, go from here yeah um, currently we have four technology platforms that we are offering to the to the industry and it kind of all started with the wicking and then it went on to what we would call a straightforward workhorse softener but non-crude oil non-silicone uh, based that is an obvious target as moving that on to algal oil then from those two experiences we combined those two and developed our third platform where we can also um, apply a surface treatment onto cellulosics uh, may sound a bit odd because cellulosics should be soft and absorb moisture and feel comfortable but by the time we have thrown them through 15 <laughs> industrial processes, including dyeing and uh, um, improving fastness, um, they quite often has, have lost their natural ability. So we came up with a softener that will not impact the ability to absorb moisture of the cellulosics. And that's not as easy as it sounds. Because everything that makes cellulosic soft are actually exactly the opposite of what it needs to make them absorb. <laughs> so you're basically trying to combine two conflicting effect categories. But from the learnings with the wicking and the softening, we were able to combine those and develop that third platform for cellulosics. And the fourth platform is... Um, uh, PFC-free durable water repellents. So those are our current four 
technology platforms that we are uh, selling and providing to the industry. And repeating myself, if I if I can look into the future and I could wish for something in in a few years from now, all those four platforms and possibly additional ones uh, will use algal oils as the main material. Got it. Um, cool. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm personally as uh, very much an apparel nerd, uh, I'm very, very uh, excited to see kind of where this goes forward. Uh, on a related note, Matt, do you, um, obviously this is uh, Wonder Alpine's first uh, soft good, technical soft goods collection. Um, do you want to talk a bit more about um, kind of what you may or may not have in the works for the future or give any teasers on that front? Sure. I mean, yeah, there's, um, there's a team building over here, right? I mean, we, we were able to get this line to market in about two years time. So we're already a couple years invested in building out apparel. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of features, um, that accentuate the construction and finishes of the fabrics, um, that we're really prideful that we've been able to build as a team. And that has inspired future product collections. Of course, um, you know, we look at, you know, the current range is an all season range. Um, and we have aspirations to build um, a little bit more pointed seasonal collections um, to complement the all-season nature of the current phase collection. Um, and as we look to create more pointed collections, we'll be working closely with BST to develop um, textile selection and finish um, to support the functionality uh, for those pointed seasonality products. Um, of course, our you know, our spirit lives in the mountains and um, we, we, I guess, would say we're probably most enthusiastic about winter around here, even though we're starting to, well, we're in the summer solstice today, actually. So, um, but I'm looking out the window at some beautiful mountaintops that are covered in snow still. And um, my, my most recent turns weren't too long ago. So, it's starting to feel as if we ski year round physically, not just proverbially. proverbially. Um, and uh, of course, that's going to have an influence on how we want to uh, continue to evolve the collection. So, you know, it's going to take time. It really is. And that's something that Romy had to teach me early on. I wanted everything yesterday. And, you know, when we build skis and boards, it's like we can kind of go back there and pick up, you know, the screw gun and the hammer and kind of make it happen. And... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't you can't quite get there with the same approach with apparel, you know. And um, the bill of materials is is equally twice as long. Um, the the all the cutting and sewing, um, all the trims, all the design packs, all the pattern making, all the grading for all the sizing. It's it's really a remarkable a lot of a lot of work, and it's it's impressive to see how much apparel is out there because there's massive teams behind it. Um, good or bad quality is what I found as well. I mean, the work is almost the same. So, you might as well take your time and do it right because it's not like you can skip too many steps. Um, so, we've been really thoughtful and intentional with uh, what has arrived to the collection we have today. And, and it's been really well received. Um, walking around the outdoor retailer show um, last couple of days, people are super psyched on it. And, and I encourage everybody who's listening to, to, to play a role, you know, and get the opportunity to experience wearing microalgae um 
and the feel it has close to skin. It's remarkable. Um, but from here, we really feel like there's a, it is a tremendous ceiling of potential. And, um, you know, without getting ahead of my tips, um, certainly we're going to continue to, um, to look at it, at evolving the collection to not only being all season, but being more, more seasonally pointed and certainly winter sport product and applications or are, are in that lane of focus for us in the future. So. Um, excited to share. And of course, the blister community will be of the first to ever hear of what we come with. But, um, you know, we wanted to first make our introduction um, to kind of support our point of view in terms of design and technology. Um, people shouldn't be surprised to hear that we're leaning into the bounty of opportunities with renewable oils and um, and how it's going to impact our daily lives and not just, you know, our... Um, the skin track and our descents on the, in the winter months, but now we get to truly be, um, you know, a present advocate of, of, you know, biotechnology and microalgal oils year round. So, um, we want to continue to see where this can go for sure. All right. You did a great job of summarizing. Like, I feel like every time we have, uh, it seems like an annual podcast or, video at the blister summit uh you've got some new project that's in an entirely different category um kind of showcasing the versatility of the algal oil that uh you have developed and continue to implement into different areas um but i think to to wrap it up um turning back to the focus of this conversation um this new surface treatment focusing on wicking for apparel um, Matthias, could you give us a bit of a rundown on, we talked about kind of what it does performance wise, the fact that it's derived from this algal oil, but could you tell us a bit more about the factors that you're considering when developing the treatment, how, what actually contributes to its environmental footprint of the surface treatment itself and of the actual end product? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, cause when you. In, in this specific case, there's actually a few layers to this. Um, first of all, uh, when we got to work with uh, Checkerspot, the founders in the beginning, and then when Matt came in and, and the apparel team, um, it was great to see that we found some, I, I always like to say, like-minded uh, people here in a sense that we define success not having access to that great new algal oil, right? It's a great new material everybody could be happy about, but that's not success. Success is only if you can turn that algal oil into a product that the industry can apply and it and ending up at the consumer level, right? So you need to make sure that oil ends up in a consumer hand. That That's success. And the role we play here is when we get the algal oil, um, we tend to simplify. And when I say simplify, we, we speak about the star and the main ingredient, like the algal oil in this wicking finish, but a textile chemical surface um, product consists out of many small additional components like you need a water-based product so you can apply it onto a textile fabric. And the oil obviously is oil. So turning it into a water-based emulsion, you need emulsifiers, additives, and 
I would like to believe what sets us apart from any other chemical suppliers, we holistically look at this whole system and also ensure that all the other additives that we use that need that turns the oil into a textile wicking finish are renewable, are biocarbon based, and that allowed us for the first time actually um, to come up with a wicking finish that's 100% biocarbon based. So every material inside is biocarbon that's externally certified. And only when you do that, you can achieve a significant lower carbon footprint. That That is the difference between incremental and significant changes, right? And when we compare the algal-based wicking finish, performance alike, which is, which is important, to a petroleum-based wicking finish, those chemical um, finishes, um, we obtain an 88.0% lower carbon footprint. And that's only possible when you do it the way I just described it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's... 80% is not, I mean, that's a lot on its own. And then you think about like looking back to what we first talked about in this conversation, the fact that so many of the fabrics and garments we wear on a regular basis are feature some sort of surface treatment, especially if we're, we're talking about any of the uh, quote, like performance uh, base layers that so many of us use for all sorts of different activities when you factor in an 80% difference that could potentially be applied uh, to a lot of those garments, it's uh, it's pretty impressive and uh, makes me optimistic. Uh, so I'm very, very uh, eager and curious to see what both BST and Wonder Alpine and Checker Spot uh, continue to uh, produce and develop in the future. Um, but for now, I just want to say uh, thank you to you both for taking the time to kind of run us through not only how surface treatments uh, are a part of just about everyone's daily life, but also how uh, you you all have been working to uh, improve and uh, just iterate on them, uh, something that a lot of us uh, kind of take for granted. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, that brings us to our weekly What We're Celebrating segment. And this week, I've got plenty of things I could potentially highlight. I've been loving the warm weather in the valley, the fact that I can finally ride the bike trails near my house, and that the wildflowers are just starting what I'm sure will be a massive summer of blooms, uh, as well as a massive summer of allergies and congested sinuses. But I think I'll focus on something much more specific this week, uh, but it's something that's made a big difference for me and a lot of the people in the Crested Butte Valley. Now, if you live in a small town, you probably know the many quirks that come with that, especially when it comes to something as simple as getting and receiving mail. Uh, now, here in Crested Butte, our post office uh, became somewhat notorious, if not infamous, over the past year or two for their hour plus wait times just to pick up a single package. And personally, I completely dreaded any time I needed to make a trip down there. Now, of course, this was mostly due to them being understaffed uh, rather than not enough effort. And I knew the folks there were doing their best. 
But recently, they started delivering some mail to residents in the town of Crested Butte rather than needing them to pick it up at their P.O. box. And while I still need to run down there from Mount CB to get my mail, the lines have diminished drastically. And now every time I need to make the pilgrimage to get my mail, there's a tangible difference in the mood, not only at the post office itself, but actually like across the entire town. People getting their mail are happier, the employees at the register are happier, and given how integral the post office is to the community and just daily life in general, it's basically like a weight has been lifted off everyone's shoulders. So a major thank you to the CB post office workers, and really a shout out to any and all service workers who keep working hard and doing their best, even when they're dealing with, let's say, a less than grateful customer base. Now, especially as many locales are seeing their annual ramp up uh, during the summer, I want to extend my sincere appreciation to everyone who keeps these little tourism-based towns like CB running and vibrant. As for our crashes and close calls segment, thankfully, I have mostly been keeping my tires on the ground and my body relatively unscathed. However, I've heard a lot of reports of early season accidents, including one of my best friends here who washed out his front tire in almost the exact same spot where our founder slash podcast host extraordinaire, Jonathan Ellsworth, separated his shoulder at the beginning of the season a couple years ago. Now, I was fortunate to only get a flat tire in that same exact section. I'm not sure what the deal is with it. But I feel like I always have at least one kind of wake up call scenario when getting back on a bike, on skis, on the river, etc. for the first time in a given season. Now, Jonathan's experience, which was a stereotypical just riding along crash on a super mellow trail that he'd ridden hundreds of times, was literally the reason we ended up creating our Blister Plus membership and its corresponding injury insurance. We made it so that whether you get injured while pushing your limits in gnarly terrain or on a seemingly relaxing outing, if you're a Blister Plus member, you're covered for up to $25,000 per injury with zero deductible and zero location or provider restrictions. It covers a massive range of outdoor activities, and I'm once again encouraging anyone and everyone to check it out and get covered. You can find more info in the show notes of this episode and on our website. With that, I'll close out this episode of Gear 30. Thank you to Matthias and Matt for the conversation. Thank you to the astonishingly attractive Justin Bob for editing it. And thank you all for listening. As always, take good care of yourselves and everyone else. And we will talk to you again next week. See ya.